0: Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Make it five wins in a row for the New York Mets, and Brett Beatty has officially made his season debut. We're going to go through all of it throughout in the first segment I will discuss David Peterson's start because while it doesn't look good on paper, he did get the Mets through six innings. In the second segment, we'll kind of detail the end of this game and also really go through what Brett Beatty did throughout this debut. Then in the final segment, I want to discuss the kicking the can down the road of the roster decision that the Mets made, as they still have not really made it clear who the long term casualty will be of Brett Beatty's promotion. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MLB60 and use the code MLB60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Now this was all about Brett Beatty's debut on Monday, obviously we saw him last season with a little cup of coffee, but now it feels like he is here to stay, and that's why there was a lot of anticipation heading into this West Coast game, and I will say, as a podcaster on the East Coast, don't love the West Coast games. Gotta say it, gotta say it, but hey, here we are, okay? The Mets can do it, so can I. So I think it's going to take most of the show just to get through what happened here, and It really begins with David Peterson. He was uneven, is the only way I can describe it, because on one hand, you give up six runs. Okay, that's never good. But he got through six innings, something we haven't seen a lot of Mets starters do to save this bullpen. And he faced off against a really good Dodgers lineup, and Freddie Freeman simply. Killed him and Freddie Freeman has killed a lot of Mets pitchers over the years. But it began the bottom of the first solo shot. Freddie Freeman, there you go. One nothing. Mets down. Top of the second, though, they got back up. They took a lead. Daniel Vogel back hits a two run homer. Suddenly, you have a, a fresh face come into the lineup and Brett Beatty a guy that's supposed to add some power to the left side because the Mets weren't getting a lot of power from the left side and all of a sudden Daniel Vogelback hits a home run funny how that works out so Mets take a lead but that was short-lived Peterson had what I consider his worst inning in the bottom of the second because it wasn't Freeman killing him Max Muncy got a knock Trace Thompson got a knock so he had two runners on he gets the two outs and he gives up a double to Austin wins, a catcher that the Dodgers just picked up off the scrap heap. And that's how you lose the lead. That to me was the worst inning for David Peterson to give up three hits and to give up a hit in that spot. I thought that was probably his worst batter of the game. But I'll give him some credit, you know? He found his way through the start despite all the runs he allowed. So, you know, kept the Mets. It, close I guess you could say against a good lineup not to give him too much credit but we'll get to that a little more fourth inning though the Mets rallied okay so the Mets are able to come right back into it and give him a lead Francisco Lindor hit by a pitch Pete Alonso gets a base hit Jeff McNeil had a great game he's been struggling three hits amazing to see he was able to rifle one the other way to score Lindor Mark Canna Grounded out to advance, McNeil to second, and Alonzo to third. Vogelback comes up. He gets a ground out that brings in a run. Suddenly the Mets are up 4-3. to Then Brett Beatty comes up. This was his one hit of the day, and it was a fantastic at-bat. Falls behind 0-2. Fouls off a couple of tough pitches. He takes a pitch that might have caught a little bit of the zone as I look back at the pitch tracks, but still, it was called a ball fouled off another tough pitch, then seventh pitch of the at-bat. He takes a fastball that was up and in. It was would have been a strike, but, you know, upper half inside, a type of pitch that Francisco Alvarez has been striking out on. And it was 98 miles per hour from Dustin May. Gets a, a, enough of a barrel on it, dumps it into the outfield, gets the single one you need that hit with two outs, runners in scoring position, that drives in another 5-3 Mets. Peterson actually went 1-2-3 in the bottom of the fourth. So that was a really nice inning for him. There was a point there where Peterson actually retired nine in a row, got the first two outs of the fifth inning as well. But then Mookie Betts came up. He gets a base hit. Freddie Freeman home run ties the game. So let's just say instead of that base hit, you know, he gets Betts out. Maybe the game's different. Maybe in the top half of the game without a runner on, not pitching out of the stretch, you know, Peterson navigates the start better. That's why I'm saying it was uneven because in a lot of respects, I felt like he threw the ball pretty well. He was still getting swings and misses. He still got the six strikeouts, but gave up three home run balls. So it's still a bad start, ultimately. Buck, though, had a confidence because the pitch count was low to send him back out for the six, and then Max Muncy got him. So, So that was... The moment where you can't, you know, in good conscience, call it a good start because it's not just Freeman that killed him for you know three of the runs and uh, two homers. It's Max Muncy that went yard on his on him as well, and, and you know he coughed up a lead again. But there was still a lot of drama in this one as the Mets rallied back into it. The bullpen was good, and they find a way to win the ball game and to advance this now. To a five game winning streak. This is looking a lot more like that Mets team that won 101 games last year, and that team didn't have a prospect as exciting as Brett Beatty. I want to go through his other at bats and what we saw from him defensively in the field, and of course, how the Mets were able to take this one. Before we get to any of that, though, today's episode is brought to you by our new sponsor, So Rare, a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, SoRare managers truly own their fantasy experience collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. So Rare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of the leaderboards have a chance to win a variety of rewards, including VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. If you want to get in on the action, head to so rare.com slash locked on. That's spelled dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup and start competing today. To win epic rewards. Again, that's so rare.com slash locked on to start playing today. The New York Mets were able to rally again in the seventh inning to take a lead. Tomas Nito. Leads things off the great at bat where he worked a full count, gets a base hit. Brandon Nimmo had a three hit day, but they weren't all far. Okay, this one infield single, get on any way you can. You got two runners on. Starling Marte lines a base hit to the outfield, loads them up. Francisco Lindor comes up, pitching change, and guess what happens? Bases loaded, bulk. We love it. We love it. That gives the Mets a lead. Or actually, sorry, excuse me, that ties the game. Lindor gave them a lead by grounding out. And then Pete Alonzo comes up, continues to stay hot. He gets an RBI hit to give them at some insurance. And that was really the ball game that put it to 8-6, to six, the final score. Uh, but Brett Beatty had an opportunity to blow it wide open. In that seventh inning, a couple of walks paired with that hit by Alonzo, loaded the bases. Beatty comes up, again, two outs. They went and they grabbed the lefty to face him and he falls behind 0-2. Didn't strike out, give him credit for that, but he flew out and that ended the inning. Now in the sixth inning an inning prior, Beatty had another opportunity with runners on. They intentionally walked Tommy Pham to get to Brett Beatty. So that put the Mets in a situation where they could have gone to Eduardo Escobar to face the lefty. They did not. They didn't go to Escobar to face the lefty later in the game in that seventh inning as well. So, A couple of things I find interesting about that. For one, Beatty getting the opportunity to play through all of it. You know, They didn't pull him until the ninth inning for defensive purposes to put in Louis Guillaume. So that tells you what they think about Beatty's bat when Escobar is supposed to be better from the right side, but we've seen the way he swung the bat this season. Also, though, the Dodgers grabbing lefties to face him, that for one shows the weakness in Beatty's game. He's going to rake against righties and against lefties you're going to see the OPS dip a little bit. You know, Here's a guy that you know, could potentially have an OPS over 900 against right-handed pitching, and you're hoping that against lefties he keeps that OPS around 750. You'd feel good about that as a rookie. So these are things he has to work through. I would love it if he was playing every day, but we do know teams are going to try to be wary of him, and that's just a sign of respect, honestly. So even though he goes one for four on the game, I thought his at bats were mostly competitive. It looks a lot better, in my opinion, than what we've been seeing from Francisco Alvarez. And he made an amazing play. You know, he had to have a really strong throw. His back of the infield dirt, able to gun down the runner. So I thought that was another really good sign. And then, as far as how the Mets were able to win it when it came to the pitching side, holding on to that lead, Brooks Rayleigh really deserves a lot of the credit. Got, you know, some big, big outs, five of them. Goes one two three in the seventh, stays on to face Freddie Freeman in the eighth. Doesn't get him out. Gave up a hit to him. Uh, worked around a double from James Outman, but got two of the three outs. Then Drew Smith came on to face Miguel Vargas and blew him away on three pitches. So nice day at the offense or at the office, excuse me, for Drew to strand two and get a big strikeout. Then Adam Ottavino came on in the ninth. Brandon Nimmo made an exceptional catch in that ninth inning up against the wall. What he has done defensively, just in his career, but particularly the last two seasons, which is that culmination of all the work, it, it shows why he's worth every single penny of that contract extension. He has played a fantastic center field. With him in center, Lindor at short, and even McNeil at second, the Mets are so strong up the middle, and they've gotten just great defense from this team, even Pete Alonso's picking it over at first base. Uh, you know, Marte's been great in right, cannon in left. You know, these are the little things that allow the Mets to pile series victory after series victory. It's what we saw last year. Sometimes they're not the flashiest team in baseball, but you know what? I will take it if you're putting W's in that win column now. You look at the offense overall in this one, 14 hits. But the thing that jumps out the most to me, Brandon Nemo, Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil each had three. McNeil, that's exciting because he's been struggling. Nemo and Alonzo, it's a continuation. If we look at this five-game winning streak, what you're going to see is OPS is well over 1,000 for a couple of guys. Brandon Nemo, Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor. These guys have been carrying this team through this winning streak. Jeff McNeil getting hot it is going to be a great addition as well. You throw in the new contributions, a little spark plug of a Brett Beatty. Daniel Vogelback has been drawing his walks. He finally hit for some powder today. We'll see if that continues. Tommy Pham has been giving great at bats, man. What can I say? Pham has been good. So that's another piece that the Mets have in this lineup. You know, Can has been struggling a bit, but. Marte has been great pretty much all season long. So you're looking at a lineup now with Brett Beatty, and there's a lot less holes in it. You know, you you look one through nine, you see Tomas Nino ninth. That's really it, right? Because right now the way the Mets slated it today, Beatty was batting eighth. You had Vogelback batting seventh, Canis sixth, McNeil fifth, and then your typical four atop the lineup. It, it's a team that is really deep. That. It can string hits together that can make pitchers work. Dustin may was great all season. Not today. He wasn't today going up against the Mets. He really couldn't get outs in a lot of different instances where he was just struggling to put guys away, struggling with the command a little bit. And the Mets were, were piling on their heads. They were, they were getting into good counts. They were getting the knocks they needed. They were fouling off tough pitches. They are just being the grinding Mets that we know and love. And, and, Uh, Now you got to try to grind away one more game. Okay, you got Tyler McGill on the mound for the second one. Uh, Can you steal one against Clayton Kershaw? That's going to be interesting. I'm going to be really fascinated to see if Beatty's back in the lineup against a lefty. That would be a a real uh, a great kind of uh, foreshadowing of what would be to come when it comes to playing time. So we'll see what they do with that. But now you know that when Max Scherzer takes the ball on Wednesday, he's got a chance to win the series, And, and that's. Uh, an incredible thing for the Mets to pull off in this this game where you know you didn't like the pitching matchup of Peterson versus Dustin Man when you came into it, and, and they found a way to rise above it. So uh, what we're going to do next, though, to close out this show, we have yet to discuss the roster move the Mets made to put Brett Beatty up, so I want to go through that a little bit uh, and really just kind of put into context where we are with this roster As the Mets just basically punted on a decision that's still going to have to get made at some point in the very near future. We're going to get to all of that in just a minute. Before we do, though, another word from our sponsors. So Jose Budo was, in fact, sent down, but it was not to accommodate Brett Beatty, as we hypothesized a bit on yesterday's show. I thought they could have gone uh, with one short in the bullpen for a day or two to try to delay this decision. Instead of doing that, Tim LeCastro ends up on the injured list. They end up recalling Edwin Usita, which is always a funny way to phrase it because they say recall because that's what happens when a guy has been in the majors before. Yet, I never recall Usita pitching in a Mets uniform. Regardless, he is now the eighth man in that pen. They were able to stay away from some of their guys in this one. So, you know, you got David Robertson fresh going into tomorrow. John Curtis, another one that's fresh. Then you got Usida and Denny Reyes. So, that's probably your pen uh, for the second game of this series. And, and that's why you had to do it. You couldn't just option Budo for Beatty because you need arms. I mean, even in this game where the Mets got six from their starter, you still have Brooks Raley now burned because he got five outs through a lot of pitches. Adam Adovino, uh, you know, how much are they going to go to him? Are they going to pitch him three games in four days? Probably not. So now Adovino likely burned until the final game of this series. You now Drew Smith's probably fine because he only faced one batter. So imagine he's good to go and probably – uh, the second high leverage guy to Robertson, but you need as many arms as you can get in that bullpen. So that brings us to the decision that was made, which is Tim LeCastro going on the injury list with back spasms. Another kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, convenient IL stint. Uh, but for now, gives the Mets the flexibility to hang on to him, to have Beatty acclimate on the roster, to see how he fits with the Vogelback, with Fam, with, Uh, you know Escobar how are all these guys going to get their time and does that lead you to make another decision is there a trade that can be made where Escobar is sent to a different team which would probably suck for team morale because he's clearly a a big big leader on this club and that what makes me kind of hesitant to think that the Mets are going to make a deal like that or do you trade a Daniel Vogel back that that's the other option that's on the table where you just say, all right, as much as he is succeeding at getting on base, power hasn't been there, although the home run today probably keeps him out of trade rumors for a little bit longer. Uh, But you just run into this situation with the Mets roster where to accommodate the veterans who have guaranteed MLB salaries and the young players, you're kind of stuck. And that's what we discussed on yesterday's show too. So now, LaCastro's on the IL. When he's ready to come back, can you put him on this roster, or does he just eventually get the DFA? Because I don't know how you do it unless you move Escobar or Vogelback or even a Tommy Pham. But again, Pham swinging a good bat, so I don't know where they go. I do believe that ultimately the best version of the New York Mets, just strictly based on a player performance. Uh, you know, uh, basis here. Nothing to look at some of those other factors, but to me, it's a water. Escobar is the roster casualty. You should get to Beatty fills that need, right? You know, he, he can come up here and, and be your everyday third baseman. It'll be good to still have a Vogel back on this team. Uh, you know, as far as that DH option. And I think he is giving you much better at-bats than you'd be getting from Escobar and is probably a more valuable player for this season. I still don't believe it happens, though. So I think LaCastro is still the guy, but for now, they held on to him. So uh, good on the Mets for doing that. Now, one last thing I want to discuss before we close. Buck Showalter is weird with his quotes, man. Uh, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this one, but I don't like the way he has been treating uh, the Mets' prospects with how he's handled the media, what he's been saying. And to say that Brett Beatty was called up because the Mets have an injury is just, I hate when a guy, and I, I get it, I get it. This is Buck Walter, He's a great baseball mind. But when he essentially... You know, is mocking our intelligence with an answer that he says. You know, where he is just kind of flippant with a ridiculous response to say that that Beatty was called up in response to Lecastro going down when Beatty's promotion was broken by reporters before the game on Sunday, and Lecastro played in that game. It is laughable. And I don't know what he's trying to accomplish, if he's trying to keep Beatty modest. I I really don't know what mind games he's playing, but he's not fooling anyone, and so it's a little bit frustrating. But I digress on that. The Mets are playing great baseball, five in a row. Let's see if they can keep it up, win one of the next two against the Dodgers. That would be uh, probably the series victory of the season. So we'll see if they get there. That's going to be all, though, for today's edition of Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day for you, everydayers. We'll be up late tomorrow night as well, breaking down another West Coast game. I can't wait till my head hits the pillow tonight. We'll get to that. Uh, I'll get to that. We'll get to that. I will get to that in a minute here. Uh, make sure if you're not, follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast, Follow me on Twitter. And also you can follow the show at Locked On Mets.